Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and joining us today is A's pre- and post-game host Chris Townsend to discuss his fascinating new role with the team and Oakland's new radio deal. Plus, we chat about all number of A's topics this spring. Then Tyler Kepner of the New York Times stops by for a chat about the A's 2019 outlook, why he finds this team always so interesting, and his lifelong love of the Warriors. That's all coming up next on A's Plus. Today, for the first time on A's Plus, we welcome in Chris Townsend, the wonderful pre- and post-game show host for the A's, uh, and everyone's familiar with his radio work hosting shows throughout the Bay Area for a long time. Chris, how long have you been in the market on radio? Uh, started in 1996, oh where I was doing, so I just got done playing baseball at San Jose State, and I started doing San Jose Giant games. Oh and then by the time, a little bit later than that, I ended up at KMBR around late 96, early 1997. Wow, and it's just been on the, on the airwaves ever since. Just the grind ever since. But you know what's crazy? You're interviewing me. I've interviewed you hundreds of hundreds times. Hundreds of times. So I like it. I like it this way. This is fun. Yeah, this is like the first time. It's like strange. You're interviewing it is, me. It is a yeah. little. It is a little different. Yeah, I like. I kind of feel like our roles are a little too reversed. So if you want to ask me something, <laughs> that's my podcast. I guess it doesn't make sense. But um, so tell us. It, it's very exciting. The A's new radio deal, which I know you're a big part of. You've now gone on board with the A's full-time yourself. Uh, explain what your role is and what you'll be doing and really just kind of the the exciting aspects of this new, it's not really radio, it's like multimedia, streaming, all sorts of things deal. Yeah, I got a fancy new title. And by the way, it's, you know, it's been such an honor to be brought on to, to work for the Oakland A's. It's always been my, my dream to do that, but usually that does not happen. And it's a very unique role. And whatever the title is, really what I need to do is I need to create a lot of content. And I think the great thing for the A's and A's fans is there's gonna be more content than ever before that they're going to have. People like you and the players and the access to the, to the front office and Bob Melvin and everything is going to be like never before. And we're going to deliver something that no one else can do. No one else in baseball has this. And right now, no one, no one else in baseball can do this. That's kind of the really cool thing. So once again, as you mentioned in your book, you know, this is a, this is a team that has always been at the front of different things in baseball. And we're doing it once again here in 2019. Yeah. So what you're talking about is the 24 seven A's channel. That's going to be on tune in. Uh, which is revolutionary in baseball. I know there have been a few hockey teams that have, uh, you know, sort of a streaming app that they use, and the Giants' games have been on a streaming app. Uh, But I don't think anybody, like you're saying, has has really taken advantage of that platform the way you guys are. So are you just kind of – how are you approaching it? Are you just looking at other – uh, teams and things for ideas, or how do you go about trying to figure out what your content's going to be? There's going to be m- different types of content. There's going to be content that we call evergreen that will live forever, and then nice. we're going to have content that's daily. So basically, we have mapped it all out, and we're continuing to grow new ideas, new people. Fantastic. We want everybody to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of it. All the broadcasters are going to be a part of it. This is where you're going to get the Bob Melvin show. This is where you're going to get the David Force show, and it's basically programming a station 24 seven and it's going to be nothing but A's. You're going to hear 
classic A's games. You're going to get history of the A's. You're going to learn everything about every single player. So I'm going to sit down with every single player. And it's not going to be like, hey, what'd you do on that 2-2 pitch? It's going to be, who are you? How did you get here? What is your story? What is your background? You're going to learn more about the players than ever before. You do such a great job with the Chronicle, but we want to, what we want to do, we want to own the moment. We want to own the A's and the entire history of the A's. Going back to even bringing back Connie Mack audio. It's going to be incredible. Oh, you so just great. wait. I hope there's a lot of room for Bill King classic calls. Oh, no, God, we're going to play classic games. So you're going to get Bill. You're going to get Lon Simmons. I mean, it's going to be it's it sounds like heaven. And when am I going to sleep? And then think about the minor leagues. Now we're going to incorporate minor leagues. I'm still not sure if we can air their games yet, but we're going to we're going to have we're going to utilize the play-by-play guys in the minor leagues so we can learn. So have them interview the same way we're doing with the players, interview their guys so you can learn more. You'll learn, you're going to know everything about everybody who's important. And the one thing that I'm really excited about is one of our podcasts is going to be about the history. So when you talk about Steve Vucinich, you talk about Ray Fossey, we're going to get Ray Fossey to bring all of his old buddies on. It's going to be heaven for A's fans, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, this, this sounds great. I might, I might. I might never sleep. I'm just going to be listening to content constantly. So um, the the other part of the deal, which I thought was great, is there is still a terrestrial option. And we know that, you know, after leaving 95.7, there were some, some thought in the industry that that might be tricky. But uh, now the A's have a station that has great coverage in the Bay Area. There's also still, um, you know, options in Sacramento. There's the full radio network. But how, as a longtime radio guy, how important was it for you that there was still an actual radio station, a terrestrial station. At FanFest, I had a lot of older fans come to me and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to stream. I need radio to listen to right. the games. Yeah. And I made sure I got with the organization and said, hey, listen, these are these are our loyal longtime Absolutely. fans. They need to have a radio station. And I can't credit Dave Cavill, Chris Giles, and Matt Pearl enough for making this happen. Not only, as you mentioned, now remember the station in Sacramento is a fifty thousand right. watt station, KHDK. And so is KTR. Yeah, we yeah. have we have not one, we have two fifty thousand watt stations. So I can tell you that eleven forty AM in Sacramento goes all the way to Bakersfield and all the way to Oregon and takes care of basically all of northern Nevada. Then you have eight six in San Francisco that takes care of all of the Bay Area. We were on 860 yeah. back in 2010. Right. And I can tell you this, I used to do two to three hour post-game shows with full lines lit. Mm -hmm. The minute we went to 95.7 and we went to FM, as much as they said it's clear, signal wasn't that strong. It was not. The I lost so many callers from Stockton, Sacramento, and the Valley who didn't get to hear us anymore. Right. Right. Well, now, and I know it's AM radio, and I know they say a lot of people don't go to AM radio. But if you're a, if you're a, if you're an A's fan all over the Bay, all over Northern California, you can now hear us right. again. And now I can take your phone calls again to where I lost so many of those right. people, and it's going to be great to have them back. Now we only took calls in spring training once. It was the first game. The minute I went on, we had full lines lit. Oh, that's so great. Thank that's God great. we're back on 860. So will you be able to do call-in shows that are part of TuneIn, or is that mostly just going to be the post game on 860? We are working on the pre and post. Right now the games are on TuneIn, but we're working on pre and post will be on TuneIn. So awesome. you'll be able to hear, you'll be able to call in, you'll be able to hear the callers. And, and we're going to try and, I'm just going to tell you this, we're going to have 
later on the season. I can't divulge too much, but we're going to have a different type of broadcast potentially. We can run the standard on 860, which then is on the network and 1140 and all the other 17 stations. But then on TuneIn, we can play with some things. So we're going to be doing stuff nobody in baseball has ever done. I've heard a little bit about this alternate kind of broadcast, you you know, with a regular and maybe a something that's a little more fun and off the wall kind of broadcast, which, uh, yeah, I'm which looking forward to that. You said fun and off the wall. <laughs> of course, that's going to be me. That's going to be you. There are a few people I think that could be involved in something yeah. like that. So um, that's going to be fun. Now, we also have to talk about the baseball side. Um, you, like I were on the last trip to Japan and we had a blast. We get to go back this year. Um, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, this year's team and heading there and what it might do for them? We saw what it happened, what happened in 2012. A lot of people kind of pointed that team as sort of bringing a young group together. This is another young team. Of course, they've already had some success at this point. Yeah, 2012, it's so hard to replicate that because if you look at what the team was like in Japan, and what the team was like in the playoffs, it was like two different teams. And basically, Billy Bean rebuilt the entire team during the season. Then from June 2nd on, the A's hit the most home runs. They had the best record, and they tracked down the Texas Rangers. Obviously, last year was similar. Yeah. You know, June 16th on, the A's had the best record. But we had a lot of the same guys, the same core guys. I think the only thing for me, because I think this team is going to hit home runs. They're going to score runs. They're going to play defense. They're still a terrific athletic ball club, which I love. I think, you know, I was actually uh, at the dinner last night. We had the owner's party. I was actually talking with Billy and Sandy Alderson. And Sandy was talking about what he loves about this team is its athleticism. I have one question. I know we can talk about the catchers. I have one question, though. How do you get the ball to the bullpen? Right. That is my biggest question. How are you? Because last year was the fewest innings ever in A's history. It's hard to believe. Right. But, it's going to be hard to replicate success if you do that two years in a row. Yeah, and you know, bullpens year to year are are, are are tricky. So, how are they going to get innings out of who are going to be the who are going to be the five or maybe the four and counting the opener? Right. But who's going to start and how are you going to get the ball to the right. bullpen? Everything else, I'm not worried about. Right. Yeah, they need at least a couple of guys who are innings eaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, we could say fires. Maybe Estrada, somebody like Mingdon, somebody like that. But you know, Brett Anderson is probably not a guy who's going to go deep into games all that often with his injury history. And I, I just, like you, I would have liked to have seen them sign one more guy. And, um, you know, I think there's still the potential that I'm sure they're looking if somebody's price tag really drops. CAs are always interested in a bargain. But I kind of think that they might need one more thing to put them over the top when it comes to pitching because it's still a question mark. Well, you were on my show yesterday and we were flirting with uh, Keuchel. If he doesn't have that certain offer, why not give him a deal, a strong deal for a one year and say, hey, come here to Oakland, pitch your friendly, have a great year. Good team, good defense behind you. And you're back on the market. Now you can, whatever you really think you're worth, you can get. I don't think that's going to happen, but we were both saying we would love to see that. I just, I, I am excited. Do you know the great thing about this thing is that the, the buzz around everything around the A's and it starts, you know, it starts with management and the way Cavill and Giles, they've energized this franchise and we're talking about the new ballpark coming off 97 wins. I just, I, I, I have a great feeling about this team. Yeah. Are they going to be better than the Astros? The Astros are still a great team. Let's face it. Team. Right. I mean, they're, and the Angels think they're going to compete. We're actually here in Anaheim and we're here in Tempe at their facility. I don't think they're going to be that good. I think they might be better than people think. I think they could be around 500. They don't have pitching either. Right. And their pitching's never healthy. No. So if they can keep some guys healthy, they might be okay. But, you know, 
to me, Jonathan Lucroy was one of the big catalysts last year for the A's, and he's over here now. He's going to get the most out of a pitching staff. I think we know that. So, uh, And you mentioned that kept me and my question marks about catching. That's one of the main reasons, because yeah. I thought he was such an unsung hero of last year's team, especially they were able to get him late in the process. And he, you know, really solidified things, especially with pitchers going in and out constantly, turned into a real team leader. Um, and he had, you know, he came with an edge, you know, kind of a don't mess with me, don't mess with my pitchers, which I think is important. And I think, uh, you know, he could he could do some nice things here. Uh, and I think the A's will feel his loss. Um, and he threw the ball real well, too. Threw the ball real yeah. well, too. Although I think, you know, Herman's got good times and all of that. I think Herman is... Uh, the, I know the A's like his metrics. That's why he's here. Um, Lucroy didn't hit much. I'm not sure how much Herman will hit. So maybe maybe that's a wash. But I don't know from a leadership standpoint. Uh, I, it would be really a tough act to follow Jonathan Lucroy from a leadership standpoint. Do you get the sense that they know Murphy's coming and he's going to come sooner than we think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I think what, what we're dealing yeah. with right now, and I, you know, I know everybody's not happy with the catcher situation, but... I have a feeling the reason that why they haven't gone out and made that investment is they know this kid right. w- once the clock and that whole thing gets right. gets off the board, we could see him here pretty soon. Right. Why do you spend four million on Lucroy if he's going to catch half a season essentially? Yeah, you know, something like that. Um, certainly not going to go out and get Maldonado or you know Weeders or somebody a, a much more expensive. So, yeah, I, I guess I can I can sort of see that thinking. But you know, to me, I, you look at a guy who was a real cog last year and. You want a young catcher learning from a guy. Remember when they, the A's had Kurt Suzuki mm-hmm. playing behind Jason Kendall? And he is, as much as Kendall made Suzuki's life very hard, he now points to that and says it's the best thing that happened to him. You know, he was learning from this really um, conscientious, do-everything-the-right-way guy. Uh, and actually, it's interesting. It kind of now extends to Chris Herman. I asked Chris Herman who the leaders were he followed as a young catcher, and he said Kurt Suzuki. Really? So, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and Jonathan Lucroy, when I asked him that last year, he said he learned from Jason Kendall. So yeah. it, all, it all goes back to Jason Kendall is what I'm saying. <laughs> Fossey will love that. Oh, yeah. Fossey. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think of Kurt Suzuki, what a great guy he, he was. And he was with us the last time we went to Japan in 2012 yeah, and being a Japanese-American and what that meant to him yeah. being there. But, yeah, so, I mean, really – it's 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 nice that we're not talking about a ton of issues with the team, right? right? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty localized. But you know, when one's the rotation, that's the rotation and catching are both pretty no doubt pretty about exciting. It. But yeah, Sean, I think Sean Murphy could be, be here very quickly. But you know, that broken ham eight bone last year set him back, and he's got very almost no time at AAA. You want to see how he does there, and you don't want to rush him. You know, it's an important position, and uh, if you wind up really struggling and having to go back. Uh, that that could be that could be rough. Yeah, there, there's certain players, and I know we talk about this all the time in the post game show. There's certain players, and I would say Jesus Lazardo is another one of yeah. those guys, and Matt Chapman was one of those right. guys that when you bring them up, you want them to stay. You never send them down. Right, this right. guy's here to be a big leaguer, and he's here to help you for years. So when you do bring him up, right. and that was something that was interesting about Matt Olson about right. yeah he was up and back so up and back thinking, yeah. but he made it right but but these guys that are the top guys when they come up you never want to send them back down you right. want them to be a big a big part of your core for years to come right that which I think that told them a lot about Matt Olson because some guys it does really set them back mm-hmm. when they get demoted and they're you know they're hard on themselves and then they start pressing and things can really go south even at the AAA level when they go back but Matt Olson was just like man yeah I'm gonna be happy when I'm here and when they send me back I'll Keep ready and be be 
there when they call on me again. So um, that's, you know, kind of showed his maturity at a young age. But not everybody can handle that. I, I'm sure Sean Murphy could, but that's definitely not the plan for him. You're right. They want him to come and stay. And that could be um, looking at the catching right now. The, the, the thing, some interesting thing to me is if you look at what they're probably thinking, Josh Fegley might be the odd man out. And to me, he's come a long way in the last couple of years. He's shown flashes here and there, but he made some adjustments hitting-wise last year. And once he did... He looked like he might be onto something. Plus, you know, he knows the pitching staff, all of that. So they will definitely lose him, I think, if they, you know, put him through waivers. So that's gonna that's gonna be an interesting situation to follow. Yeah, and the other guy I think about too is Frankie Montas, who yeah, pitched three scoreless pitched three scoreless yesterday. And I think to myself, you know what I don't want to see? And I actually talked to Scott Emerson about mm -hmm. this, because he's taught him a new split finger fastball. Mm -hmm. What I don't want to see is out of options, someone picks him up, and the next year we're or this season right. we're watching him win 13, 15 games right. for somebody else. Hi, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I don't want to. Is that's a great example? Yeah. So it's like, like I know it's a tough situation, but I, I would like to see Frankie Montas in this rotation. Yeah, I, I you know, and there's kind of two, maybe two spots open depending on what they do with the whole opener thing. I hope they make use at least initially of both of those. Um, because there's some guys that are deserving. Uh, Aaron Brooks is also out of options. He looked terrific the other day. So they might do as they've done in years past and uh, emphasize keeping the guys who are out of options and keeping those options as long as they possibly can, maybe trying to sneak them through waivers later. Um, but, uh, you know, Daniel Mangdon's also done a lot to earn a spot in this rotation. So kind of want to see him in there too. Well, we have time. You can you you can take thirty to Japan. Right. You can play twenty eight. So yeah, we still have a. Well, and here's really the tough thing. And this is one thing I've noticed, and I noticed it in two thousand twelve. I don't know if you've noticed it. You sense the urgency yeah. so early. Right. Actually, Vince Catroni was down talking to Mike Trout today, and Trout was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, you guys start playing real games like in two weeks. They're just getting into spring training They're just mode. Starting, yeah, yeah, and we're yeah. like." Who's making this team? Who's going to go into Japan? Like, we're, we have this sense of urgency. I forgot what it was like in 2012, right. but it's like every single start, we we just can't say, ah, oh, it's spring training. He's getting loose. How's the ball feel? You need to compete and you need to earn yeah. your job now. Absolutely. I mean, you're right about the expanded roster, which does kind of change the dynamic. You can take, I think it's 30 or 30. 31. And then you can take as many as you want. want. But Major League Baseball only pays for 30. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. So, um, and then the 28, I think they designate three of those as inactive for the games. Um, so you, you can stick your starting pitchers there. Mm -hmm. But you could also do it with guys who are out of options, even if you, they're not necessarily going to be part of the game. So I think that we'll see a little bit of a combination there. But they still have to make their big decisions when they come back to play the the Angels at the very end of the month. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And how so. about this with the opener? We've been kicking this around. Can you really use the opener when you when when, it, when after the Bay Bridge series and we get going again? We, the A's play like eighteen straight games. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, you're gonna have eight relievers, but you're playing eighteen straight yeah. games, and if you have, you're going with an opener, and then you have other starters going five and dive, yeah. you're burning this bullpen out quick. Yeah, I think that's probably that's a great point. I think the one really um, the kind of flaw in the whole opener system is the roster. With a 25-man roster, it makes it, even with an eight-man pitching staff, or eight-man bullpen, it makes it really, really tough to, to figure, you know, to use that on a regular basis. And I get the whole, well, sure, if you have five great starters, you're not gonna do it. If you've got four good starters and maybe it's iffy, then maybe you might try it. I, I'm with you, I think, maybe wait on that, especially since it's some guys that they might not have to make decisions on. Yeah, because last year, remember, they didn't use it till September. Right. So. 
they went on that great run not using the opener right. they just didn't they used it now obviously tampa used it a lot right. but they had to right. and then that's and, and Tampa's the devil, right? I've been thinking about this. Tampa started the shifting. Tampa started the opener. Tampa now has the first executive in uniform in the dugout. They start everything that people don't like. Have you notice that? <laughs> well, some people don't like. I mean, they're, they're, you know what? They did a really nice job last year doing things completely differently from everybody else, which they're in the same boat as the A's. They play in a terrible stadium and uh, they don't spend a lot of money and they got to find, you know, live on the margins of what they can do. So, I think we maybe we'll see an executive in uniform. Which one? Wow. And I'm really fascinated to see because basically that executive is either, well, you can't have electronics in the dugout. He'll have some type of binder that has the numbers and he's going to tell the manager, no, don't hit this guy, hit this guy. Well, the guy you're hitting for, you're taking his at bat away. You're taking his potential livelihood away. Right. How is that guy going to respond? Right and he's sitting right there. How, or... or you're getting pulled in a certain situation as a pitcher and you know it's not the manager or the pitching coach it's the it's the analytics guy right how are players going to receive this guy in traveling with this guy right well and also what does it do with their relationship with the pitching coach or the manager do they kind of lose not respect but do, you know if it, it kind of diminishes the role right yeah. of manager or pitching coach and you go like well who's who's making the decisions around here is it you is it this guy with a laptop that, that could get a little tricky but if there's going to be an A's executive in uniform um i i think i would pay money to see either forrest or billy bean down there and see see, see what they do yeah you have, <laughs> you have no chance of seeing billy bean down there I mean, yeah, <laughs> can you imagine sh- it is a uniform top but also shorts and flip-flops <laughs> yeah. and his dog there and his dog. <laughs> that'd be great he'll be like i'm just gonna go back and ride the, the exercise bike for the next three innings because i'm stressed out oh god yeah that's it it's coming and it's going to be and i think you make a great point it's it's okay if who's calling the shots shots, like right now i know as a player with the a's melvin is a great communicator it's one of the things that's his best skill is that all the players you know they they, they cut like 18 guys today we're not supposed to say but they've cut like 18 guys today and each one of those guys went into melvin's office and melvin has a certain message for each one of those guys every player knows exactly where he stands, when he's going to play. And all of a sudden, if you now put a, a, an analytics guy in uniform, okay, is it Melvin? Is it right. Scott Emerson? Right. Or is, right. who, who, who's controlling my life? Who's controlling my career? Right. right, right. And why should I listen to this manager or this pitching coach if they're not the one calling the shots? It's, yeah. It's going to be an tricky. interesting dynamic. Yeah. I kind of hope it doesn't happen here, much as I'd love to see Billy sitting in the dugout sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if something doesn't go right. <laughs> Uh, Chris, uh, <clears throat> great having you on the show today. I think we will have to do this many more times throughout the season. Well, I'm going to need you for this new 24-7 tune-in station. So as much as I like being the guest, I'm going to need you as my guest many times this season. You've been, a, you know, I just want to say thank you to you because it's kind of crazy. This is going to be my fourth station with the A's. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how many people in the history of radio have been around a team and been on this many stations, but you've always meant so much to A's baseball and to the fans. I mean, you're totally making my day. I always call you the queen of A's baseball because 
what you have meant to this organization and your relationships and everything, what you've meant to me all these years on radio and what you've given to me has just been gold. And I've always appreciated that. You can't see this because it's a podcast, but I am now blushing. That's <laughs> very sweet of you. Okay, I'll go on your show when you need me to. I was going to tell you to talk to my agent, but... Well, I, I, gotta, I, I have to promote the new book for you and Ken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Ken and I have a new book coming out uh, March 19th, If These Walls Could Talk. So, you know, that's some good inside dirt there. Thanks for mentioning that, Chris. I really... I'm going to start having to give you like a, a cut of these books because you're always so nice to promote them. Thanks again for joining us on A's Plus, the first time of many, I'm sure. You are the best. Thanks. I gotcha. You can hear Chris Townsend all season on KTRB 860 AM and on the TuneIn streaming app. After this quick message, we'll be back with New York Times national baseball writer and foul ball snarer, Tyler Kepner. Our guest today on the A's Plus podcast is New York Times baseball writer Tyler Kepner in his 20th year with that fine newspaper um, and also a good friend of mine and even better friend of my husband, Dan Browns of The Athletic. Um, I think they are in cahoots, but I'm going to have him on the <laughs> podcast anyway. Um, Tyler, you are in A's camp today doing serious XM work, which I'm delighted to see you doing. How, how did that come about? What Tell, tell us what you're doing uh, and how long you've been doing some serious work well i uh you know i listen to the channel so much <laughs> when i'm driving around uh, at home in connecticut or driving down to the stadium uh, yankee stadium or, or the mets and um i just i always thought it would be a fun um sort of offshoot thing to do you know i i, I know mike farron um pretty well i covered um steve phillips and jim duquette um i've gotten to know casey stern so i just i, I really like the people over there and, um, you know, I, I, I don't have anything regular, just a pinch hitter every now and then when they need someone to host, uh, you know, the morning show or, or an extra hand out here on, on the on the camps. I'm here anyway. I'm, I'm talking to these guys anyway. So it's the same interviews I, I would be doing for the most part. It's funny because, you know, I, I, I'll go to a team generally just for one day, too, in the spring, you know, because I try to see as close to 30 teams as I can. And if the XM guys are here, I'm always like, oh, man, because they always talk to just about everybody. Right. So uh, it makes it harder for me. And now this, I can this get This is how both. we felt about you today, by the way. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> right. so now I can get every, I, now I can d double, double up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really smart. Um, so you've been around to a couple of the camps now um, with SiriusXM. How's it gone? Um, it's been fun. You know, we, we did uh, two days at the Cubs and we did a day at the uh, Rangers, day at the A's. And, uh, you know, we'll be going to the Dodgers tomorrow. So, like for me, this is these are all like I said, these are all places I'd go anyway. And um, you know, it's uh, it's been good. You know, we we got uh, we get the manager in every place. Usually, we'll get an executive and um, and most of the name players. And and it's fun because you can just go in any direction. You know, a lot of general team stuff, but um, you know, some specific things. You know, the A's we talked about. And this is this is ground that A's fans are were used to and everything that you you do all year round. But um, you know, to, to talk to Matt Chapman on on how he does what he does on defense. Um, to talk to Stephen Biscotti about uh, what it was like last year to go through the tragedy that he that he did and 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 the comfort level he has in Oakland. And you know, to talk to Blake Trinan about his sinker and everything. Um, you know, just to put a microscope on on the, the the fun things and the interesting things about every team. Oh, one of the great things about you, Tyler, as a national writer, is we do see a lot of you with the A's. You're one of the few who who tends to show up in A's camp at least once a year, and sometimes we see you during the regular season. You seem like you've always sort of taken an extra interest in the A's. Why is that? 
I think the A's are one of the most interesting franchises. They always have something cooking. Um, you know, and when you have a team that you can't really predict or that's going to have interesting ideas, um, it's it's fun to follow. Even some of the off-field stuff, like the, you know, the A's access or, or this this new stadium plan that they have, which seems pretty interesting. Um, I just I always find them an interesting team because they never really. I mean, they make trades, obviously a lot of trades. Um, but they, you never get like the full concession, like that we're just going to take a few years off here. They're always, they always got some plan to surprise you. So it, it keeps things interesting. And, and I like that. Yeah. Bill, Billy always says they just don't, they don't ever really want to punt. They're not going to punt a season away. They just, <laughs> they like to make at least some small moves that might give them a chance, which is maybe help them from a, or hurt them from a draft standpoint. But, you know, at, at least they, they try. They're always thinking, as you said, they're always thinking outside the box. Um, from that standpoint, what do you think of what they were able to do last year, which was yet another one of those years where I think the expectations going in were pretty low. And then you look at it and they lost so many of their starting pitchers over the course of the season, too. That was the amazing thing, right? Because I, mean, I was here last spring training and I left thinking, all right, this isn't a last place team anymore. They're definitely making some progress. You can see the youth, some of those guys starting to come together, the right mix of veterans, all that stuff. Um, but if you had told me they'd have all those pitching injuries, I, I, I probably would have bump them back down again and, and and for what they were able to do um sort of reimagining um the innings uh, getting some old guys just to find you know get something out of it with jackson and brett anderson and you know the story but like uh it was pretty impressive from a distance to see how um that wild card was there for the taking and how they just stormed past seattle and they held off tampa bay uh, because not a lot of teams really wanted that um, last year when you think about it in the American League, that second wild card, just like the year before when Minnesota somehow got it. And it's like, hey, if there's going to be a league where not a lot of teams are going for it, we might as well go for it and try to figure it out. And the one thing I remember from being around the A's a little bit at midseason in Houston where I caught that Dustin Fowler foul ball yes, that in the was press very impressive. was, uh, was how uh, Melvin was said, you know, we got guys who really want to be here. Um, you know, the, the past few years they had some sort of fill-in guys and and, you know, guys – you know, they're just because just it was a job. Um, but I think Melvin really liked the spirit that some of those guys brought, um, that they wanted to be in Oakland A. And uh, that was infectious, and they could really, really pitch out of the bullpen. I, w- I do have to maybe tell the Dustin Fowler story because it's one of the most impressive things I've actually seen. Certainly the most impressive, th- impressive thing I've seen in a baseball press box. But we had just been talking about people getting – laptops demolished by foul balls and you just casually reached out almost without looking it looked like and snared this line drive that was coming straight back to the press box in like one motion barehanded that was incredible yeah yeah it was um you get lucky sometimes i guess right like yeah, tom petty says right like I, I just uh well one thing it was that was you know we don't always watch you know uh, newsflash to you out there, you know, the writers don't always watch every pitch super intently um, because Ever. we because we have writing to do. Right. But I was I happened to be watching at that moment because it was Verlander pitching to Fowler. I had written about Fowler in spring training and I, you know, he was a Yankee and everything. So I just wanted to see him. And um, yeah, the ball just came right into the press box, put the laptop down, make sure that wasn't going to get hurt. Stood up, stuck out, stuck out my hand and it fell right into it. So. Given um, what you just said and I about, I gave it to a kid, by the way. Oh, that's true. I found you did. A little girl down below, and I gave it to gave it to her. So that's, yeah, a, that's a key that. part of that. Yeah, yeah, we always like to see that. Yes, yes. Um, I have never had a laptop demolished by a computer, but I've I've ducked under the the um, 
the desk many a time. Um, so given your thoughts on last year's A's, where, where do you think they are for this year? Is it, it seems like it might be tough to ask a, for a 97-win season again, especially with a you know maybe a few rotation question marks. But mm-hmm. they you know obviously the lineup remains good, the defense remains good, and the bullpen mm-hmm. shapes up to be a strength again. Yeah, I see reason for optimism. I mean, I, you know, they, they did probably just enough this offseason to put them in position to – Try to do what they did again, you know what they did last year, and I don't think those bad teams in the American League really took a step up. I mean, I, I can't look around and say that Toronto or Baltimore or the White Sox or Detroit or Kansas City or Seattle um, or, or Texas are, are are that much better. Yeah. I can't. You can't make a case. You can't make a reasonable case that any of those teams are better right. than the A's. So then you're looking at the Angels and. Uh, Tampa Bay and Minnesota, maybe. I mean, you yeah. could you could draw up a scenario where one of those teams, um, you know, beats out the A's. It's right. not. It's certainly not unrealistic. But if I'm if I'm thinking of those five teams, kind of like as a as their own weird little spread out division. Yeah. Um, Anaheim, Minnesota, uh, Tampa Bay, and uh, and Oakland. Four teams. Um, sure. Why not put Oakland at the top? I mean, yeah, they, I they they won 97 last year, even though they don't win 97 again. They got mm-hmm. they got a shot. Everything has to break right for any of those teams to contend. True. True. So, why not why not think it's this one? Do the A's need to maybe do something like one big move to get them to the point where they can t- contend with Houston though because they've gone now gone to the wild card game twice mm-hmm. and it does not look like their thing. Um it seems like that's something they might <laughs> right. they might want to avoid. Right. And Houston as we know is, is is still remains one of the toughest teams in the American League. Is that something the A's really probably need to consider at some point is really going for it and adding something even if it's somebody say expensive yeah i think i mean you see how the season's going but let's assume let's all that's one great thing about spring training is you know it's everybody's best case scenario is is still in play um and so let's say the best case scenario here is that lazardo comes up at some point and he's great and he's the rookie of the year or something close to that um and then so there's another really good starter um and then maybe they go out and they they Pull the trigger on a trade, and they can go and, and, and get a guy in a trade. And there's two starters who we don't know anything about now um, who could be a high-impact uh, kind of guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, and Houston is uh, – Houston's really good. I mean, they got a ton of talent. But, like, they did lose three starters from last year. They lost Morton to the Rays, and they lost McCullers to Tommy John surgery, and Keuchel is still unsigned, and he's not going back there. You know, I wouldn't think so. That's a lot of innings to replace. And you know, Verlander was great, but he's old. And and you know, Cole's a prime age guy, but you know, there's questions there. Yeah, that's that's true. And they have Miley, you know, and and, and they have some some younger guys. They always do. McHugh is back in the rotation. They should be good. That's they not should, kid ourselves. They should be good. But um, but you know, if, if teams always have injuries. We saw they yeah. were not the same team, obviously, last year mm-hmm. when Altuve was out. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those so, guys, you know, those guys are all young, but they are getting older and yeah. banged up. Back, back problems and, yeah, year, some is, of them were very banged up yeah. last year. And, and I don't know, anytime you got you're, you're losing, deleting 90, 95 starts from your staff and trying to find them somewhere else, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not always a given. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll remember where we heard this, this first, Tyler. Um, now, since you're the national baseball writer and you, you mentioned Dallas Keuchel, um, obviously the, the labor situation all, all winter was a big issue um, with Machado and Harper. Now that they're signed, what, what are your thoughts on their deals and does it mean anything 
for the labor situation. Is everything fine now because those guys both got 300 million plus? Well, the players certainly don't think it's fine. Um, I think there's still a lot of suspicion about similar offers at the same time, um, sparking uh, you know, concerns about collusion. Um, there's a lot of worry about the so-called rank and file middle class. I'd like to be in that middle class salary bracket, but uh, yes. I'm not one of the best baseball players in the world. So I don't, you know, that's, Although that's their, I, that's I their money. I did see you catch the line yeah. drive. That's right. I did. Without <laughs> a, uh, Kevin Mitchell without a glove. Um, but uh, so they, they are worried. And I think what the fundamental thing is that they're worried about is that the play, the best players, because they're all very competitive in everything they do. And they want the best players to be playing Major League Baseball. And I think when they feel like the best players are not playing, whether it's because you're trying to suppress service time, like a Vladimir Guerrero Jr., or you don't find a salary, and you don't, you don't, Adam Jones doesn't fit in your salary structure, or or something like that. That's when they get suspicious, and that's when they get irritated. Is that because you know they want the best to play, and they don't like the tanking and everything? You can make a case that some teams need to need to rebuild and everything that's a legit case um but that's what worries the players but it does take some of the steam out of their argument when you get three guys who get contracts for a total of 890 million um just this last week i don't know why it takes so long um if it's just the scott boris factor or if if or what it is um but it sure seems to take a while you got to grind through it but in the end one guy gets 330 million, one guy gets 300 million. We've never seen either of those on a on a open market and we never seen an extension that pays a guy um 32 and a half million a year like we did for Arenado. So they do keep pushing the high end which the union loves. It's those middle guys. And the other thing Susan is we don't know precisely what Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell turned down. Maybe in fact I I know in some cases they've turned down offers that I think would be perfectly reasonable yeah. for 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 who they are now. Um so maybe they miscalculated. That's always possible, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, real quickly, um, where do we stand on pace of play? Where do you stand on some of these potential rule proposals? Uh, anything kind of jump it, out at you there? I think I think Rob Manfred's really um, hesitant to actually pull the trigger on this because he knows um, that the players don't like it. The players are very skeptical of anything he, he's doing. Even though he, has, he can do it unilaterally, I don't think he wants to do it. Um, and he seems to float a lot of these. It seems to be his move to float a lot of these trial balloons mm -hmm. out there. He does it with a lot of things. And then to see the feedback and then pull back or have it as a negotiating um, uh, tactic. You know, right. like, I'll take this off the table if you like, like he's taking the pitch clock off the table now so we can get something else in the future. I mean, hey, it's negotiating. He's, right. a, he's a master negotiator. Um, he's very skilled at that. Um, but I don't know what to make of it because it's just so much of this is back and forth. And, it, and honestly, so much of it is meaningless because you know that this game has changed because it, it pays to run deep counts and to see more pitches. And it helps win usually to move pitchers in and out. And anytime you see a, a, a time of game that's short, go look in the walks column and go look in the see how many pitchers were used. And I guarantee you it's a tiny, small amount of walks and not a lot of pitching changes. But as long as players are incentivized to draw walks and draw out pitchers to throw more pitches, that's where it comes from. It's not shaving two or three seconds here. It's more pitches. Right. That's well, what it's about. Baseball cyclical. You mm -hmm. start to make adjustments to that. You right. know, so you wind up having pitchers that maybe throw some more strikes. Oh, sure, maybe they give up more hits and mm -hmm. things revert back 
that way, but yeah, you know, it all kind of comes back around. So I'm assuming uh, that uh, a reliever has to face at least three batters. Ideas is uh, well, I don't know how you feel about that. What, well, how do you? It certainly eliminates some pitching changes, but is that too much of a fundamental change to the actual rules of the game for you? Yeah, probably. But I've always been like that because I I, I love baseball in in any form. But I I do feel like. Um, I would love the games to be shorter, you know? I'd love the, not because I want less baseball, but because I want, you know, more crisp games. And sometimes these games really seem to drag or be tedious. Um, and sometimes the pitching changes do seem unnecessary. But on the other hand, I don't I don't want to handcuff a manager like that. I think there's a lot of issues that you could bring up. You know what, they will find some way to manipulate that too. These guys are so smart running these teams that any rule change you put in, they'll find a way to get an edge and that's not going to, that'll be some edge that we don't like. So right. I don't know. I say just leave it as it is. Yeah. I think that just, it's just, so, you, know, you take a game that's fairly streamlined and start adding layers of new yeah. regulations and restrictions and it, it just, it gets yeah. too, Plus, I, too I, I had dinner last night with my, my old friend, uh, Mike Myers, who pitched 883 games in the big leagues. Love many as a, many as a players, one batter. Players union. Players union guy, but yeah. many as a one batter specialist. Yes, and and yes. I, uh, you know, I want Mike Myers, the future Mike Myers is to Absolutely. have a career. The Randy I'm, Choates of the world who, we, we love our, our, so. our loogies. Our, our loogies, right. Our, our CJ Nikowski. So many great loogies out there. Yeah. Let's just... Uh, Who's let, the best talkers? Long live the loogie. Right. Oh, back, loogies I and backup catchers. I want a shirt that says that. Long right. live the loogie. <laughs> right, right. Um, no one will know what you're talking Now, Bay Area fans, um, this is my last question, but I have to ask Bay Area fans might be surprised that you are a long time, long time yeah. Golden State Warriors fan. Yeah. Um, please explain that and what it's like uh, as a long time Warriors fan going from those many, many, many hard, hard, hard years in the <laughs> 90s to to this recent uh, run. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia area and the Sixers really uh, confused me and broke my heart in a way, like when they traded the number one overall pick, who turned out to be Brad Darty and Moses Malone in separate deals in 1986 when I was 11. And I was like, what is with these guys? I've got to find a new, you know, you should never give up on your team, but I was just young enough to where I could get away with it. It's like, I got to find a new team. I mean, I don't have anything against the Sixers, but I just, I still like them, but I had to find a new favorite team. And Run TMC came around a few years later. They came to the Spectrum and I saw them. I'm like, these guys are amazing. <laughs> They're so cool. Like, you know, Tim Hardaway was so cool. Mullen was an East Coast guy. Mitch Richmond was fun. I mean, it was just high flying, exciting basketball the more I dug in on the Warriors I'm like you know what they won the championship in 1975 the year I was born they used to be in Philadelphia that's where I'm from like they've got really cool uniforms they got a cool sounding name Golden State Warriors what <laughs> no what other team is named after a state nickname all these funny silly kid reasons that you adopt the team and just the idea of being an East Coast kid you can barely ever watch the games because they're on so late but just to to pick some random team out west to say these are my guys and they weren't any good for 25 years, but it's been a long uh, extended payoff now. It's really weird to just sit back sometimes and think, wow, the Warriors are like a premier power franchise, but they deserve it. I mean, you know, because I, I'm not obviously from the Bay Area, but I do really respect how those fans out there stuck with that team for so yeah. long. And you too, right? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And they, they love that team, so they deserve it. I don't know how the vibe's going to change when they go across the Bay, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. Awesome. Tyler Kepner from the New York Times, thanks so much for joining us on Ace Plus. And fun fact from a Philadelphian, do you know that the, the Philadelphia team with the most championships is still the Oakland Athletics? Yeah. Five championships in Philadelphia, that's more than the, the Eagles have won, that's more than the Flyers, 
the Sixers or the Phillies. So the A's are still Philadelphia's number one team for anybody who remembers. I, st- I still hear from Philadelphia A's fans. There are still a few out there. So um, yeah, it's a, it's pretty year amazing. Anniversary of maybe, 1929. So. Maybe that's why we see so much of you at the A's every year. I don't know. Isn't that funny though? You got the you got the old the old Philadelphia baseball team and the old Philadelphia basketball team right next door yeah. to each other, three thousand miles away. So yeah. so funny. Yeah, that's a, and, and we don't need the Eagles or the Flyers. So and you're not getting them, them either. Yeah, you can keep no, them. We, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Tyler, thanks again for joining us on A's Plus. We will look forward to talking to you down the road. Anytime. You can read Tyler Kepner's work in the New York Times, and he's at Tyler Kepner on Twitter. His book, K, A History of Baseball in 10 Pitches, will be out next month, and it is a must for serious baseball fans. Today's episode was produced by King Kaufman, I'll be back with another episode of Ace Plus from Spring Training later this week. Ace Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.